tried different mediums, I hit watercolor and it was as if I fell in love for the first time. Welcome to episode 105 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Satsuki Shibuya, painter, artist, and spiritual thinker on the podcast. The Running on Ohm podcast is founded upon the belief that by sharing the stories of innovative minds, it can spark your imagination and deliver encouragement in your path. For me, hearing the different stories of wellness experts, runners, and yoga teachers has been really transformational in my own life and one of the core reasons why I started this podcast. If this is your first time tuning in to Running on Ohm, welcome. And if you've been listening for a while, maybe you've listened to over 100 episodes, then I'd love to know what you think. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes after you tune into this episode. It'll take you less than five minutes and make a world of difference. I discovered Satsuki because I read a quote of hers online, and I was curious to who this deceased sage was. So when I looked her up, I realized that she was not deceased, but instead a young artist, painter, and spiritual thinker who's really plugged into her passions and the important questions of existence. I'd love to share with all of you the quote I first found of hers, which reads as follows. By doing what you love, you inspire and awaken the heart of others. I'll repeat that again. By doing what you love, you inspire and awaken the heart of others. So I posted this quote on my mirror to look at it every morning in 2015, and I'm so excited to have Satsuki on this podcast. She shares numerous other gems and life wisdom on her journey overcoming illness and how she fuses the spiritual with the artistic in her work as a painter. She really is quite a remarkable woman, artist, and thinker, and I'm honored to have her on Running Out Home. running on own podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> or not be here, but be talking to you with you. <laughs> Me too. Satsuki, you have so many different roles and ways in which you would define yourself. So if you're, let's say, at a party and someone's never met you before and they say, what do you do for work? How do you even begin to answer that question? Oh my gosh. I, I am always, always... Um, finding myself in that situation where they'll ask, you know, because I, I think that socially when you go to a new setting and you meet, you know, people, kind of the first thing they, they'll ask you is, oh, yeah, so what do you do, you know? Um, and I always have such a hard time explaining what that is. And even if I explain a lot of times, people um, don't really get it, I think, <laughs> which is fine. You know, that's totally fine. Um, but I would say that I think professionally, the one that um, the – what I do, you know, I'm an artist, I, I paint, um, and that's, I think, what people, as far as um, genre is concerned, I think that's what, you know, they really can understand and digest. But for me, um, my art practice um, is not just painting, you know, and I don't, I don't see myself, when I say artist, it's, it's more um, in the context of um, someone who's, um, you know, does artistry, like, I feel like, um, you know, of course, you know, painter is an artist, but I feel like someone who does spoken word is an artist, someone who um, is a therapist is an artist, you know, I feel that people who um, do work that they're really connected to, I feel like that in itself is very creative. And so therefore, they're an artist, you know, so um, I use it kind of in that term when I say artist, but I think people think, oh, you know, you paint, so you're an artist. 
Um, so I, you know, usually say that. And then if they're curious about, you know, as to why I, I paint, then I kind of go into more of the, of the nitty gritty of, you know, like why I paint. And then that kind of gives them a better idea of, you know, that I don't just, um, do artwork, but that it comes from a very spiritual place for me. Um, you know, so I, I kind of, I guess, tailor the answer to depending on, you know, what they're ready to hear. <laughs> so that they don't feel like I'm too out there if they're not ready to hear all the um, other stuff, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. before we dive into the why, I would like to go to the when. When do you feel like you came into your own as an artist? Um, I think... I, I mean, I think... Well, my father's... Both of my parents are pretty, um, like, hands-on crafty, I guess I could say. My dad is very much... He's a French chef by trade, but um, he really likes to work with his hands. He's always gathering stuff from, like, the dumpster and then creating his own little contraptions. (laughs) Um, You know, so he's very much, uh, you know, into doing hand stuff. And then my mom, um, you know, has a background, a little bit of background in fashion design, um, and she likes to sew. So I think I've, I've... grew up in that kind of environment and um ever since I can remember when I was little um I think I really always liked to color um and and I I used to take ceramics class when I was little and so I used to love that and so I think I've always just been creative or really drawn to creative stuff and then um recently I found um there was like you know in elementary school you um have little projects that you do and uh one of the projects was I think the teacher had assigned um you know draw out your life book or something and so you know I'm drawing in it and I'm kind of reading through this it was recent I think I found this um less than a year ago my parents had moved so I was helping them and in the book I actually wrote um when I graduate high school, I think it was like 1999. I mean, that'll probably give you give you how old I am. But in 1999, I would graduate high school, and um, on there, I, I wrote, I would go to college with an art degree. So I think when and that was I made that book. I think when I was like in fourth, third, fourth, fifth, somewhere on there. So I think by that point, I was already associating my identity to being creative or doing something creative. Um, so I think that's kind of where it started, that whole identity with, um, you know, being a creative or an artist, um, whether I knew it at that time or not. I think I was already starting to kind of get those feelings. I hope to answer the question. <laughs> yeah, the seeds were definitely planted from a young age in you. Yeah, for sure. And what was your faith background growing up? Were you a part of a certain religious community? I know you consider yourself very spiritual now. Uh, right. So I actually don't talk about this publicly too much because I feel that I wouldn't want that to sway um, people either or because I feel like where I am right now spiritually, um, it, it's very separate from religion. I think that's it's like really in, inside me, at least it's very um, different the way that I see it. But um, both of my parents are actually lay monks, lay, lay Buddhist monks. So I grew up in a Buddhist household, but um, they're really supportive of me. I was really curious, I think, ever since I was little about religion. Um, and I had different friends from different backgrounds. So I had, like, Catholic friends, I had Christian friends. I had some friends who were Judah, you know, um, they were Jewish. Um, and then I had friends who, um, some of them were uh, Mormon. Um, I was, you know, so it's just a variety of, of different religions. And I was really curious because... You know, growing up, I think that, uh, you know, although my parents took me to um, the church that they go to, um, something inside me, it wasn't feeling 
like I was getting the full picture. And so I would visit these different churches. Like I would go to Christian church one week and I'd go to like a Catholic church another week. And, um, and I was doing it through high school, actually going to different churches with my friends. And every friend would take me to their church and they would tell me, you know, the wonderful things about their teachings. And, you know, I would hear the sermons or um, hear the, the talks or lectures, you know. And um, it, I think by the time I finished or close to finishing high school, I realized that... Um, the religions were kind of saying the same thing, different language, different language, different way of view, viewpoints were different, but I, f I started feeling inside like something was all was pointing to the same direction. Um, and so uh, I felt like it wasn't really about religion anymore for me. It started becoming, that's I think when it started changing from religion to spirit spirituality, if that's really the right word, I, I feel like it's more than that, but um, yeah, I think that's when the kind of the switch started happening. Um, but there are other funny things that happened when I was younger, too, that kind of threw me off of religion as well. So, um, yeah, so it's my background is Buddhism. But I think that, you know, the part of Buddhism that I really connect to, even till this day, is I think the whole idea of um, the way that they view nature and how everything is one and how, um, you know, it's not really about... Uh, I think, you know, the do's and don'ts and like, you know, you have to be this way because you're in a, you're this religious practice. And, you know, there are very strict rules within Buddhism, but I feel like uh, the things that I associate myself with, that I feel connected to are more universal, you know, in all religions. I think that they, they teach the similar um, way of thinking. And so um, I just kind of take it out of a Buddhist context because that's what I'm, you know, like, that's what I know. But I feel like I can find similar ways of, of thinking within any other religion, if that makes sense. Um, so this is actually the first time I'm actually talking about this more publicly. Um, so yeah, this is, this is good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing and being able to be vulnerable and honest about it. I definitely am with you on seeing a sense of oneness between a lot of different faiths and backgrounds and feeling that oneness, it sounds like, in all that you do and being able to translate it through your art. So how did you feel like your passions or your awareness of spirituality and your artistic movements come together? Was that a slow process for you? Um, definitely many facets. I, I feel like, um, well, growing up, I was, I was a pretty sickly child. You know, I had a lot of health issues. I still am battling a lot of health issues, but I've um, come to realize that, uh, for me, it was because there was a separation between my soul, my spiritual soul, and um, what I was projecting to the outer world. And um, I, I feel that when I was younger, like you kind of, you know, what, what we were talking about earlier is, you know, I think when you're younger, you go through a lot of things, but you don't really know what is happening. You just know that something is going on that's not quite right and not everybody in the world is not understanding what you're going through. Like you feel that separation and ever since I was younger, I felt kind of like a, a lone wolf in a way where I couldn't really um, honestly tell people how I felt because I remember in the beginning, you know, when I was younger, I used to be able to, and I still do, I think I've, it's, it's on a different level now, but when I was younger, I would pick up on energies and I would pick up on certain things and I would tell my mom about it and she would say, you know, oh, that's crazy talk, you know, like, what are you talking about? And I attempted to talk about these things with different people and um, I would get these strange looks and 
uh, it came to the point where it, it was affecting me physically because I was starting to have, you know, I've been needing to bottle it up so that I'm perceived as normal. <laughs> and I remember going to the doctor's office because I got really ill and the doctor was like, oh, there's nothing wrong with your daughter physically. You know, he's telling my mom. And my mom comes from a very traditional Japanese background and they're, they weren't, um, at that time, I think uh, they didn't know about anxiety attacks and depression and all these other psychological things. And so the doctor's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. You know, she's sick, but you need, she needs to see a, a psychologist. And um, I'm thinking, okay, I'm nuts. <laughs> like, okay, like all the things I'm going through, all the things I'm seeing or, or feeling, you know, I'm just like a whack in the head. And, and so from that point on, I think that was when I was in fifth grade. From that point on, I bottled it all up. I didn't tell anybody about it. I just acted like everything was normal inside. All these things are going on, but I just like put it under the rug and forgot about it. And, you know, that continued to go on. And I think that the more I bottled it up, the more separation I felt from my true soul versus what I was putting on the outside. And um, I got more sick. And uh, I kept on trying to fill that, that separation, that void with um, trying to get um, more schooling or trying to get more acceptance or trying to look more beautiful or trying, you know, just more, 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 more. And what happened was um, about three years ago, everything just snapped where I completely um, couldn't do anything anymore. No work, no, no talking on the phone, nothing. I had to pretty much be in bed all day. Um, and I didn't know what was going on. And I think that was the start of my real um, like soul awakening because it was so dormant for so long, or I, or I made it dormant for so long that I kind of forgot like who I was and like why I'm here on earth and what what I need to be doing. And all that was just completely forgotten about. And um, so three years ago when I got sick, um, I had met this, well, I've, I've seen like maybe five psychologists before this, this person I met, but you know, all of them, they're like, oh, you need to take Prozac or you need to take, you know, whatever, Ambien or whatever. And I'm thinking, no, I, I don't think I'm crazy. Like, I don't think it's in my head. I know that there's something, there must be something else. You know, I, I couldn't come to terms with taking medication. And so I kept on jumping from different psychologists. And then when I got sick, um, you know, I was seeing different Western doctors and no one could find out what's going on with my body. Everybody's like, you're fine. There's no problems with you physically. And I'm thinking like, I can't drive. I can't work. I can't sit up straight. I can't eat. I just lay in bed all day like a vegetable. There must be something going on. And so I, I saw like maybe 25, 30 different doctors. And um, who was the one that told me? I think... Um, one of the doctors I saw, he was like, you know, I think you should see a psychologist. And I'm like, oh gosh, not again, you know, <laughs> like, jeez. I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'm like, fine, I will go see another psychologist. I hadn't seen one for, I think, like five years or something. So I met this old gentleman and um, he was probably the most uh, traditional psychologist that you can think of, you know, old, old man, you know, vest, sweater, hold coffee in his hand, 50 minutes on the clock and then you're done you know it's just very like psychologist like you would think of is you know I would think of as him so I see this guy and I'm like 
okay, he's probably gonna tell me to take medication again, so that'll be that. And then, but um, after about uh, three sessions with him, you know, one day I came in and uh, he was like, so Satsuki, um, you know, we need to talk. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he's like, um, so I, I, he's like, I, I think you, you don't have any psychological issues. And I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, but I have, I have anxiety attacks. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't think that's normal. I, I can't do a lot of things right now. And he's like, right. But he's like, I don't think it's psychological. So I'm like, okay. And he's like, you know, to be really honest, he's like, all the things that you're saying to me, I can't comprehend. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm really crazy now. It's like, this is, this is not going well. So I'm like, okay. Um, okay. So I was like, just trying to brace myself to hear what he has to say. And, and he was like, uh, I think it's spiritual. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> okay, you're a psychologist telling me that I have spiritual issues. I was like, this is great. So um, he's like, no, really, I think that um, what you're talking about is not a psychological um, disconnect. It's a spiritual disconnect. And what you're experiencing, your physical symptoms, he's like, I really think it's because you need to figure out your own spiritual path, not religion. And I've already kind of known that, but it's nice for him to verbally say that. He's like, you know, it's not religion. He's like, it's your own spiritual path. I think you need to find what makes sense to you he's like because i think that's what's causing your, your problems and i just kind of sat there like wow like yes <laughs> like thank you for verbally voicing that because that's all that's what i've been feeling but I, I didn't know how to put it to words and so you know when he said that i'm like yeah but what do i do <laughs> like where do i go from here i'm so lost and um you know, he was like, I think you should read. And I'm thinking, I don't like reading. <laughs> Up until that point, I I was not a reader. And he was like, no, I, I think you should find a book that calls to you, like a spiritual book. He's like, you know, maybe the, the Dalai Lama, because he's within the Tibet Tibetan Buddhism. He's like, it's something you're, you know, you're, um, you, you can understand. He's like, but it's a little bit different for, from what you've been learning. Why don't you try reading his book? And I'm thinking okay I'll give it a shot and um ever since then I haven't turned back and it's been the most um I don't know I don't even know how to explain it it's um man I feel like he's he's one I mean him and a few doctors a handful of doctors I think he really saved my life because um if he didn't say that to me I I don't know where I would be right now and I feel like you know people enter your life at a point when you really need them to and I felt that he definitely was one um, critical, critical person that I, I met at that time in my life. If he would have come any sooner, I probably wouldn't have listened to him um, because of where my mind frame was. But because I was at such a empty place when I met him, I felt that it was the perfect timing. Um, and so that's kind of how the whole spiritual journey began. Um, and then that's how I, I feel like... Um, I started to recognize, you know, what it is that my soul wants to do and what it is that I want to do and slowly but surely started integrating my creative side of myself into the spiritual side. I kind of feel like, because it is, for me, it's one, but I think in the outside world, it's very separate. And so I, I kind of started thinking, okay, how can I bind those two together? Um, 
I know this is a very long answer to your question because it continues on from here as to why I paint. But um, yeah, that's kind of the beginning of how like things started coming together. The spiritual aspect and, and the more creative aspect of myself was, I think, at that point. So do you feel like your creative painting now allows you to express the spiritual realities and thoughts that are going through you now? Um, e- oh, how do I describe that? Um, yes, it, it feels more like, um, well, I don't know if I can say right now, like, can I explain what, why I paint or is that okay? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. I don't know if that was another question down the line, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to throw that in yet, but, um, I, I was doing some other, so, uh, when I met that gentleman, I started my spiritual, spiritual journey. I already at that point I had started my business. And so that was completely not spiritual based. It was, um, I was doing graphic design work and product design, um, very much to build a business. And so it was almost as if there are two, two different paths kind of going simultaneously. And, um, you know, I was happy with both. It's not like there was anything wrong. And, um, but I think it was maybe two years into my whole spiritual work. Um, and I was meditating a lot and I started to really open up my, um, energies and, uh, and I started seeing things during meditation and hearing things. And, um, one day, out of the blue, I heard, you know, you need to take a break. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> what does that mean? You know, why, why do I, why do I need to take a break? You know, and um, so I, I meditated and consecutively for three days straight, um, I saw images of why I needed to take a break. Um, and uh, one was um, an image of an of a Indian god. Well, I had no idea about until afterwards I searched online what that image was and I found that it was an image of um oh I can't think of the name right now the god oh, yeah. um the Indian girl with the with the elephant head and the many arms yes so it was it was Ganesh but um a different version of it of Ganesh and so I looked online and I was like okay I understand what that means and then the next day I was meditating and I saw in um Japanese character the the word change, like something is going to change by taking the break. And then the third day I was meditating and it was actually starting to show me what it is that I needed to do. And so through this meditation process and kind of really searching like why I needed to take a break, painting came up and my back, I have no background in painting whatsoever. None. <laughs> I took a little bit of painting when I was in elementary school, like very little, um, but my background is in ceramics, um, music, uh, graphic design, you know, that's more my background. So painting is like completely like <laughs> way out there, who knows where land. And it scared me because I felt that, you know, I, I couldn't come to terms, I think, with it. Like, what? Like painting? What am I going to do with painting? Like, what? You know, how am I going to make my living painting? You know, it's just all these questions. And for four months, I um, procrastinated on this. Even though deep inside, I knew that it was a solid message to me. I just, I don't know, something inside me, I, I, I was getting cold feet, I think. I was so scared. And um, so, you know, I, I kept on talking to the universe. And I'm like, okay, it's like, I'll try it. You know, I, I'll try it. And I'll see what happens, you know. So I'm slowly 
get coming to terms with it. And I tried different mediums and nothing's calling to me. And I'm thinking, okay, this, maybe that message was, you know, not real. I know that that's not true, but I'm just trying to kind of make myself feel better. And, um, after I tried different mediums, I hit watercolor and it was as if, man, I, I still won't forget that day. It, it felt like I was, I fell in love for the first time. Like it, it's like as if the paper and my paintbrush and the paint were all just kind of orchestrating by itself on the paper. And I was just watching it happen. And it was like the most magical thing ever happening in front of my face and, and nothing can go wrong. It just felt like it was just doing its own, own thing, own magic. And I was just the, the robot that was like doing the painting and that's when I knew that I was connecting to like a, a higher source at that moment. And I've never created from that, that place ever in my life. It's always been more of a personal choice. Like I'm going to make this. Whereas this one, it felt like I was just an instrument. Something was coming through me and I was just painting. Um, and since then I was like, oh, okay, this is what I need to do. Like I know it. It's it's, uh, it's it's not even a, I need to tell myself I know. It's it's just I know that's what I need to do at, at this point in my life. Um, so since then, I've been painting like nonstop every single day. Um, I completely changed my practice, um, you know, and uh, it, it really feels like um, I know I'm painting, but it's like I'm, I'm, I'm not painting. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it's, it's like a... Yeah, it it um it definitely comes from a different place for me, and um, that's why I feel like painting for me is very much tied into. Finally, I feel like it comes together: the spiritual side of my soul and like the art creative side. I feel like they're finally one when I'm painting, um, and I'm able to express what I feel inside in a more how do I say like digestible way, so that people can who might not understand all the stuff that's going inside, which is fine, you know, if they can connect with the painting and somehow feel even a glimpse of, in them, you know, of peace or, or harmony or love or something within their heart, then I know that what I'm doing is is worth it. You know, that it, it's it's meant it's meant to be. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how the art and the spirituality are finally, like, tied together. Finally, finally. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how it sounds like for you, watercolor is a place you're able to be that conduit and really experience a sense of flow. How has the world responded to your paintings? I mean, how has it been in a more practical way in supporting yourself from going from graphic designer to now being a painter? Right. Um, I've been... Up until this point, I have to say, I've been really lucky in that, um, you know, my parents, my husband's very supportive. I've had really great supportive friends and fans, you know, who've been following my work. Um, but, oh, man, I remember when I first put out my my um, product collection or when I first did a graphic design work that I shared online um, and, and the type of response that I got. For me already, it was like, wow, other people like what I'm doing. That was already in itself magical, but when I did the painting and I put it out into the world, it's it's like uh, I think I remember describing to my mom. I never felt this much like energy and like support from people. It's just like on a whole nother level, and it's not just I think in terms of um people's replies or, or it's just I I can feel 
the connection, like when someone were, were to write why they're connecting to the painting, it's like, I don't know, I, I can feel like a different kind of momentum building that I've never felt before with other other mediums or other ways of creating. So um, I know it's really special because um, it, it do definitely doesn't come from a place of ego or a place of um, like expectation. It, it really is coming from a place of love and just wanting to connect with people on a very different level. So I, I feel like people can, regardless of religion or whether they believe it or not, or, or whether they know art or not, or, or anything, you know, I feel that when someone connects with a piece of art that speaks to their soul, all those things don't matter. It's, they really just feel the energy um, and it, it connects on a, in a place where um, all, all that is transcended, I guess. Yeah, it's it's definitely been um, surreal, surreal. And I mean, I, I we connected through the crazy interwebs, and I found one of your quotes that I didn't even realize was an actual person. I thought it was probably <laughs> like a dead philosopher, spiritual teacher. And then I look you up, and I'm like, no, she's young and she's hot and she's awesome. Um, so, how for you, your spiritual writings? How did those come through you? I mean, you've described the process of watercolor, of watercolor being a really conduit of that higher force. So when you write really potent quotes, how do they come through? Um, pretty much the same way. It's, it's, uh, like, I remember when I was trying to explain this to my parents in the beginning, because they would not believe me. I mean, now they do. I think because, um, you know, I, I do some energy reading and things like that for people and, and, um, that's not a job, you know, I just, you know, if, if the opportunity or the occasion arises that it needs to be done, then, you know, I'm more than happy to. But at first, my parents like, oh, that's just like complete, like crazy, you know, just craziness. And um, um, the quotes uh, come from the same place where it, it feels like, um, you know, so I was telling my mom about this whole like energy reading and, and the painting and all this, you know, where it comes from, and she wouldn't believe me. And you know, even with the quotes, you know, I, I had to translate to her in Japanese what it meant. And she's like, you know, you're, you're talking like you're some old woman. <laughs> like, you know, um, who, who are you? And I'm like thinking, it, oh, how do I describe it? I, I told her like, you know, Satsuki as a person would not think of these quotes because I am only X amount of age. I've only had so much experience in life. And so I personally would not know these things. That's the truth. You know, I, I, I don't. Um, but there's moments where um, I'll be going about my day or I'll be talking to someone or maybe I'm just looking outside the window, looking at a tree and just enjoying, you know, that moment. Um, and it's as if something just kind of like comes into my head and then I'm like, oh, and I just write it. And it's originally it started more for my own personal um, reminders. Um, because if I don't write it and visually see it, I tend to forget it. And so I thought, oh, you know, I started writing these, um, at the time I thought just kind of thoughts, you know, thought bubbles, like thoughts that come in messages. And then I started sharing it on Twitter more for like, um, not so much to share. I guess it's more for, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Account accountability for myself. If I have, if I project it out into the universe, I have to live by those words as my, myself, right? You know what I mean, right? So, right. So I put it out there because I wanted to make myself accountable for the things I'm sharing, you know, not just be able to brush it off like, oh, okay, you know, like I know that I should be doing that, but eh, it's okay. 
Whereas if I write it and share with people, um, they know that I said it. And so it's more like, you know, kind of a, um, a reciprocating thing. Um, and so that's kind of how everything started. And, um, and the quotes, the more that I shared, the more that would come. It doesn't always come. It, it really is when I think um, the pattern that I notice is when I'm um, mentally in a particular place where um, I'm not really thinking about a lot of things. I'm either like painting or I'm kind of um, really enjoying nature or I'm meditating or it's really in a moment where um, I kind of put Satsuki as a person aside and I have kind of an open space for something um, to enter. I think that's when I get certain messages. Um, but like I said, if it was just up to me and someone said, okay, think of a quote, because I've actually had someone say that, like, okay, you put these great quotes up, think of one for us. And I'm like, well, <laughs> um, I, it's not it's not like an on button, <laughs> you know, where I can just poof and something comes out. Like, I, it's not like that. So, um yeah, sometimes it's difficult because I think that people associate the quotes with me as Satsuki person. But for me, I feel like the quotes are something from the universe that I just happen to share. Um, so in that sense, sometimes it's hard to share that separation, I think, um, when I meet people. But that's kind of, or yeah, that, that is where it comes from. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. One of your quotes that really resonated with me that I heard on your typo talk that you gave is more is not better. More is just more. And I think with the turning of the new year, people oftentimes set a lot of intentions or resolutions and looking forward. And even in, in this is just a time when people are really busy in the heart of the winter. It's not as kind of slow paced as summer. And so how would you speak to people out there in explaining that quote and maybe giving people more actionable steps to not buy into the more is just more. Right. Uh, oh, I think what helps me um, when I find myself, um, you know, because it's really hard, especially I think in the day and age that we live in right now, I feel like doing more um, is rewarded. Doing less is a lot of times um, associated with being lazy or, you know, that you don't have a vision or you have no drive. And I, I don't necessarily think that's true because, um, well, you know, what I try to keep in mind personally is that the present moment, every single moment that we live, that we're doing something is actually tied into the past and in the future. Because if you really think about it, who we are right now is because of where we've been, but it also builds the path for where we want to go. So the most important time is actually right now, this moment. What we decide to do right now, the words that we say, the actions that we place or don't place, you know, the time that we spend in our lives, it all goes into the future. So I guess what changed for me was if I do too much in that moment, because, you know, you can only do so much. I think, you know, humans are, you know, we're limited in, in time and energy. And so if we don't pick and choose how we spend each moment and just shove a lot of more into each moment, then everything is done not at full capacity, I guess. Kind of the whole idea of, you know, multitasking and, and things like that, I think, come into play. But if we are not fully conscious of what we are doing in that moment, and if to be fully conscious, you can really only do one thing, you know, be conscious of one thing at a time. So if we can 
only be conscious of one thing at a time and do something really wholeheartedly one thing at a time, then there's really no space for more, you know? And so um, I think that for myself, you know, what I try to do um, is anytime I find myself, you know, having a lot of projects come in and it's really hard to say no when some great opportunity comes and then you have another one that comes and you meet new people and some people say, oh, come out for coffee. And it's just like so much wonderfulness happening that it's really hard to say no, you know. But I think that um, not only for your personal sake too, but I think also for the people that want to see you or the projects that want to be, um, you know, that have been um, graciously presented to you or the opportunities. I think each one has um, a, a, a hope, you know, or um, a particular um, vision that the person is, is giving to you. So, you know, I think of it kind of like a gift, you know. And so in that sense, you want to really um, appreciate and cherish and really take into account that, okay, by accepting that invitation or by accepting that job or by accepting, you know, anything, someone's time, um, that you are uh, responsible to make sure that it's fully manifested in a way that is good for the both of you, you know, or, or all parties involved. Um, so if you really start to think about it like that, you know, doing more is actually a disservice, not only to yourself, but to all people involved. Um, and it just, um, I think it just makes you neurotic. It makes everybody else neurotic. Nothing gets done. Everybody's pissed off like you know I, I think that it's just um snowball effect into the wrong direction um and uh you know I do want to point out that it was very difficult for me to overcome the idea of doing less is okay um you know because people always ask like oh you know what are you doing now oh and I, now I can say oh I just paint oh you just paint like that's it <laughs> like you don't do more and it's like oh you know, more does come along with it. But um, I think that you you have to be confident in telling people that you are okay with what you're doing. It could just be one thing, but that one thing could be the most important thing in your life. Okay, that could be motherhood. You know, I'm a mom. And people are like, oh, you're just a mom, but you don't do other things. It's like, but I'm a mom, <laughs> like, that's what I do, you know, and you can be fully conscious in that one thing. And that's great. That's beautiful, you know. Um, and if you have the capacity to maybe branch out a little bit, I think that's okay, too. Just remember where your core is, you know. Um, and anytime you start feeling a little bit like, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, oh, that, 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 you know, um, start to think about, okay, so if I do that now, because, you know, at the end of the day, if you decide to do something now, you have no other choices. You know, all the other choices are, are um, having to be done later. So make sure that each choice you're making each moment is the thing that you want to be doing at that moment, you know. And um, make sure that if somewhere inside of you feel like, uh, well, I'm doing it because of this reason. It's really not resonating with your soul. Then don't do that. <laughs> do what speaks to you the most. Um, and don't be apologetic about it. I think that's really important as well. Um, to be able to voice it, to don't be apologetic about it to yourself or to other people, know why you're doing it, um, and make sure that you're doing it purposefully, consciously, and um, yeah. And I feel like if, if those things are aligned, then um, the whole doing more thing won't, won't even be a factor anymore. If you can really start putting that into practice, I think... Um, 
Yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, I think that's incredible advice to close up for our listeners. For 2015, what are three things you're really looking forward to personally or professionally? Mm, um, professionally, um, I feel like this is the year. Well, I actually have two uh, solo shows coming up. Um, but uh, professionally, I feel like it's uh, finally the year where I can start to really um, publicly start putting out my work and speaking about it more and um, really, you know, tying in the spirituality aspect and kind of bringing it more into um, who I am internally and making sure that that's projected externally. So I think professionally, that's, um, you know, what I look forward to this year um and i think uh secondly um my health has been uh something that i've been dealing with all my life you know um having health issues and um i i feel like this year it's starting out to be um how do I say? It's, um, I know this is a year actually of a lot of changes for just the earth in general. It's just um, a year that a lot of energies are changing and regenerating. And so I feel like, um, you know, I look forward to seeing how my body, you know, kind of evolves with, with the changes that the earth is feeling and um, how um, that can help other people that might be going through different battles health-wise, you know, whether it's psychological health, physical health, um, and be able to somehow share what I've learned through my journey with other people as well. Um, and lastly, I think that, um, I mean, there's so many, but I think that ultimately this year, um, I, I, I truly want to be able to, um, even if it's one person at a time, be able to um, somehow in some way affect people in a positive way, especially, I think, um, like through love or peace or harmony. I feel like those are like three uh, main words for myself this coming year. It's been um, kind of rotating in my head many, many times. And so I do know that that is a strong message for myself for this year. And so for 2015, I think that in whatever capacity that I'm capable of, of um, doing to be able to make sure that those things are constantly being um, shared with other people in whatever way, whether it's words or through artwork or meeting people or um, just even thoughts themselves. I think um, it's something um, that's very important for me for this coming year. I'm excited for you. Thank you. <laughs> To close up our interview, I have a few fun either-or questions. Smoothies or juices? Smoothies. Early bird or night owl? Oh, early bird for sure. <laughs> Mountains or oceans? Oceans. And our last one is, if you had a superpower, would you rather time travel or fly? Fly. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Satsuki, for sharing your story and wisdom on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our talk. Thank you for listening to episode 105 of the Running on Om podcast with Satsuki Shibuya. 
painter, artist, and spiritual thinker. I want to let the listeners know about a special opportunity I'm creating for all of you to ask your yoga and running related questions. My friend and fellow yoga teacher and runner Susie Stefan and me have started a bi-weekly podcast series called Ask the Yogi Runners, where we answer your questions on yoga, running, or how to incorporate both of these practices into your life. If you have a question, we'd love to answer it. So email us at asktheyogirunners at gmail.com. That's asktheyogirunners at gmail.com. Also, if running on home has been a part of your life, maybe you've just listened to this episode or you've listened to over a hundred of them, I really would love to know what you think about it. So please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It'll take you less than five minutes and help me better this podcast for all of you and also help Running on Ohm gain more visibility on the iTunes interface so that more like-minded people can find it. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.